Welcome everyone to one more episode on the life and teachings of Christ. Uh, my name is Luis Molina. Right now I am in Portugal, traveling around here and just finished my pilgrimage in Spain, which was amazing. And now I am recording in a cafe this post podcast for you. Today we will study a little bit about uh, the genealogy still and the first chapter of Matthew which tells, tells us about the, the conception of Mary and Joseph, the, their story. So first they, let's look about why Matthew includes there is a lot of noise here from cars. We can see in chapter 1, verse 17, it says, So all generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Now, these are not exactly 14 generations, uh, literally, because there were more people in all these uh, three sets of 14 generations. But the, the purpose of the genealogy is not to give us an exhaustive and names of people of the lineage but it is just to make us understand the lineage of the person that the genealogy is given about so why do he why uh, Matthew used the, the 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 number 14 it might be because 7 plus 7 is 14 and for the Jewish readers 7 is a sacred number but I think uh, there is another reason and more plausible and that is that the name the number 14 is the numeric name the, the numeric symbol of the name David so that the numeric equivalent of the name David is 14. So in that sense, um, Matthew starts his his genealogy of the account of the Messiah, the son of David, it says in chapter 1, verse 1. And then he closes his um, genealogy with the name, with the number 14 generations, which... 14 also um, represent David. So the Messiah is the son of David. That is why, that's why Matthew might have chosen the number 14. Though we can't be sure about it, we are just um, guessing it. But it makes sense to me. Now, let's read now the birth of Jesus the Messiah in chapter 1, starting from verse 18. 
and it says, Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name his name, his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relationship with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. Okay, let's make some comments started, starting from the verse 18. We have seen already that it is very interesting how Matthew makes very clear that Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, yet he, he gives his genealogy as, it, as if it is relevant to Christ. And the reason why it is relevant is because whatever was true of Joseph in society, that was true of Jesus as the as being the son of Joseph. Uh, so that will give um, Jesus his royal status, his legal status in society. But we see a, a different genealogy here as we have mentioned than in Luke. And even the story of Joseph is, is, is different. Here in Matthew we have Joseph's side of the story. In Matthew, we don't have an angel appearing to Mary. We have uh, an angel appearing to Joseph. Of course, both stories are true. But each writer, Matthew and Luke, like to include different material. Joseph is a person who is much less known to us than Mary. Mary is seen again and again throughout the Gospels as someone who from time to time hanged out with Jesus. And even We, we see her in the day of Pentecost, Acts 1.14. Um, she was there in the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Joseph is only recorded in the birth stories and then in the first two chapters of, uh, no, chapter two of Luke, we see when, when Jesus was teaching in the temple and Joseph and Mary were worried about Jesus, where he was and stuff like that. And they found him teaching with the teachers of the law, with, with, the, with the expert in the law, uh, teaching to them. 
So that's the last thing we know about Joseph, chronologically speaking. And that's pretty much all that we know about Joseph beside the genealogy and those stories. It says in verse 18 that Mary, that Joseph was betrothed to Mary. And the original, the word is betrothed. Now, what is betrothed? Betrothed is not, is not equal to dating or is not equal to courtship as we do these days in this modern society. These days, um, it's normal that someone will date to get to know someone. Even recreational dating is, is normal in our society, but it wasn't in Jewish society. They were used something called betrothal. It's, it's hard for me to pronounce that word, betrothal, which means that you were promised by someone so for example joseph and mary they will get to know each other in the society they might have visit each other parents uh, each other houses and they might have seen each other in society but they wouldn't hang out in a romantic way as we do today today we hang we normally hang out with with someone that we are dating and we spend time alone with that person and we start getting to know each other and then we can just leave the relationship if we see that it won't work well to be betrothed is not that way to be betrothed is when you are promised to someone and you can't break that promise anymore so that was the status the status of Joseph and Mary when Mary got pregnant of Jesus by the Holy Spirit they were not just dating they were not in courtship they were betrothed. That's the that's the word it used. They, it was a promise. To be betrothed is a word that. Ancient cultures used to practice betrothal. And the word is B-E-T-R-O-T-H-A-L, betrothal, is a commitment to marry that you can't break. So in the past, we, we see, for example, Isaac was, was um, the, the son of Abraham, and he got his marriage by a betrothal from his father Abraham and uh, the, the servant of, of, of Abraham who went and got Rebecca for him. But it didn't necessarily have to be that way. For example, Jacob, he worked for Leah and Rachel, right? 
that that wasn't necessarily always the case but here in the gospel of matthew we see that joseph joseph was betrothal betrothed to mary to mary to marry to get married to mary if that makes sense so betrothal was a time to prepare to get married to leave your parents home and to enter a new home it was a time to cultivate romantic relationship and so on but you couldn't break it off since they were betrothed they were promised to it it was already like a marriage marriage so during that time mary got pregnant joseph might have thought that she slept with a man and he knew it wasn't him he had reason to believe she had committed adultery and he had grounds to divorce in fact he was contemplating divorce because you can't end a betrothal betrothal unless by divorce under jewish law adultery is ground for divorce we are told that joseph was a just and righteous man and to contemplate a divorce on the basis of unfaithfulness it was not unrighteous the interesting thing is that he didn't rush to this conclusion he did not want to make her a public example the bible says he was minded to put her away secretly divorce her secretly this is an interesting thing he was planning to divorce her so this suggests he was cal calling out the relationship and yet he had no bitterness uh, towards the the circumstance it seems like he did not want to expose her to public shame and ridicule her that's why he wanted a, a, a quiet divorce in a private matter manner why he didn't want her to bear the reproach of her own actions maybe he was a very kind guy but maybe there is another theory we read in luke's gospels gospel that mary was visited by an angel and that angel told her that she will have a miraculous conception joseph probably knew mary somewhat we know that mary wasn't unfaithful joseph might have known this too joseph probably wasn't sure that mary was unfaithful her own story was there to consider she might have communicated i'm sure that she got pregnant by supernatural means god himself wanted to have a son in this way through mary i suspect that joseph believed her and that's why he wanted to put her away because um, Joseph was afraid of to be with the woman that God chose. So 
Joseph didn't want to compete with God for the same woman sort of thing. That's my suggestion. If Joseph believed, his, believed her story, then he recognized that God had done that, and she was God's mate, as it were, to bring forth a child. So Joseph might have said, this is sacred territory, I must better not intrude here. I am suspicious that that is the case because when the angel appeared to Joseph, it's interesting what it says. Because it says in verse 20 uh, that the angel said, do not be afraid. So that's the key word, do not be afraid. Because if um, he thought she was unfaithful, fear wouldn't be the main emotion probably. It would be rather anger, distrust, disgust, jealousy, or something like that. The angel didn't say don't distrust her. Therefore, therefore, Joseph might have been wrestling with those things. Joseph wanted to don't intrude in God's woman in that way. That's my suspicious. Then it says that Jesus will save their people from their sins. The name Jesus was a name in Greek. It's the equal of Joseph in uh, of Joshua of the Old Testament. Joshua, the name Joshua of the Old Testament had two parts. Joe comes from Jehovah and Shua means salvation. It literally means the Lord is salvation. So the Lord saves or the Lord is salvation. This name was very common in biblical times because Joshua was a great hero for the Jews and many mothers would like to choose that name for their sons. So Jesus is the name, the equal of Joshua, but in Greek. So Jehovah is salvation. And the reason is clear, it's because he will be the savior. The Jews at that time, they knew they wanted to be saved, but they didn't necessarily want to be saved from their sins, but from the Romans who oppressed them, who charged them tribute, test them badly and oppress them, etc. They were looking for a savior like David. The angel told Joseph that the Messiah will save his people from their sins, not politically, as the Jews were expected. By contrast, also, if the liberation theology that is so popular among the Catholic, uh, which also thinks that the gospel is a message of political liberation. In contrast, the angel said something different. This suggests that people prior of being saved are not free from their sins, from the oppression of sin itself, because we have seen we are alienated from God. We cannot set ourselves free from sin. Just try to stop sinning and never sin again. This is not possible. This cannot be done by, by man. 
that's why God sent Jesus to save us. So the, our problem is that sin prevents us from being with God. And only in God there is eternal life. So only once we are free from sin, then we are made right with God. And as consequence, we have eternal life. God is eternal life. Only in God we have eternal life. Sin not only gives us guilt, but it enslaves us. We have to be saved to stop sinning. It's the only way. And that's what Jesus came to do here. He died on the cross, resurrected, and all of that to rescue us from sin. But more than that, He came to live within us, inside of us, to set us free through the Holy Spirit. So, because of that, we are not allowed to live in a life of sin. Sin is not for the Christian. Jesus saves us from our sins. Not only the penalty of sin, but also He saves us from sin itself for us not to be slave of sin. Matthew finished telling us that this is to fulfill what was being spoken by the Lord through the prophet. This prophet is Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. Um, through a virgin, a virgin will have a child and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. This verse is from Isaiah uh, chapter 7 and 8. We can see the first fulfillment was Maher Shaleh in chapter 8 of Isaiah. It was Isaiah's own son. But it has a secondary fulfillment here with Jesus. Emmanuel can be translated as God is with us or among us. And then we have um, what we have spoken now is in verse 23 and verse 24 says when Joseph awoke from from sleep he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him he took her as his wife but had no marital relationship with her until she had born a son and he named his him Jesus so no marital relationship means that they didn't have sex till Jesus was born and of course we know that Jesus had brothers so afterwards Mary had sexual relationships with Joseph and that's how Jesus had many brothers one of them is James the one who wrote the, the book of James so that's it that's it for today if you have any question, please send me an email. My email is fernandomolinas90 at gmail.com. I will spell it. It's F-E-R-N-A-N-D-O-M-O-L-I-N-A-S 90 at gmail.com. Okay? Have a great um, week and see you next. Welcome everyone to one more episode on the life and teachings of Christ. 
My name is Luis Molina. I am here in Lisbon now in a cafe. So you will have to bear with me again with the background noise. It's normal. Nothing is perfect in life, right? So today we will talk a little bit about chapter two. So with that, let's read uh, chapter two. Uh, and it says, Matthew chapter 2, the visit of the wise men. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his start at his rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd my people Israel. Now, let's stop there and make some comments. Very interesting, we see these wise men coming from the east. Uh, in some in some translation it says these magi but they are actually in the original they are wise men that came from the east they they saw something in the sky which they interpret as, as a sign it's interesting thing that the secular historian of that time for example, Cornelius of Tacitus that we have seen before, and also Josephus, the Jewish historian, they were mentioning that at this time of history, where when they were living, there were rumors in the whole world that from Judea would come a king who will eventually rule the world. It's a interesting thing to contemplate um, and also to know that these wise men seem to be aware of that rumor. They saw something in heaven and they follow it. And they recognize it that it was about the Messiah, the one who will, the king of the Jews who will also rule the whole world. Let's contemplate this for a moment. The significance of this, the whole world, the whole civilized world was actually expecting, in a sense, that from Judah will come a king that will rule the world. Okay. Um, so, from where this expectation comes from? How this expectation arose in the mind of the Jewish people and many of the Gentiles at that time of history. 
I don't know if the historian give us any clue from where the expectation arose, but it is very possible that it's because of the Jews who were scattered around the world and they were, of course, looking forward to this coming of the Messiah who will one day rule all the nations and not only Israel. The Jews probably informed the whole world about this expectation. That's my guess. But how do we explain that they were expecting the Messiah at this particular time? Even the Jews might not have known about it. They may have known because some of the hints and some of the direct statement of the Old Testament, perhaps. For example, in chapter 49 of Genesis that we have seen in the last uh, episode, Jacob prophesied that, that the scepter will never depart from Judah and until Shiloh comes. Shiloh means that to whom it belongs. So until the everlasting king comes, the scepter will not depart from Judah. That's basically what Jacob prophesied towards Judah. And then it's, it, Jacob also says that and all and the gathering of all the nation unto him will be unto Shiloh who will hold the scepter forever so it is reported that many of the rabbis said woe to us because the scepter the, the scepter has departed from Judah and Shiloh has not yet come that the rabbi said when Herod uh, when uh, started to rule Judah about 40 years before Christ the Romans conquered all the region of Judea and they put a Herod to rule over, Jude, over the, the area of Galilee and Judea of course Galilee was in Judea and this is the thing, the Herod was not a Jew. He was an Edomite, descendant of Esau. And these, these people group were always enemies of the Jews. They were not Jews at all. They were Gentiles, the Edomite. And the Her Herod was an Edomite. So Jews didn't like the Herod and Herod didn't like the Jews but he was appointed to rule over the Jews by the Romans so he had a, he had to do his work anyways of course we have also the the time of history that the 10 tribes from Israel didn't split from Judah after Solomon the, his son Rehoboam broke the nations in two and the ten tribes of, of Israel were separated from the two little tribes of Judah and Benjamin in the south but 
the the Jewish state that survived after Israel, the ten tribes, were taken into exile in Assyria and never come back. And the ones who came back were the Samaritans, but they weren't pure Jews anymore or pure Israelites anymore. Uh, so the only uh, the only tribe who survived for the whole time and had kings up till the last exile into Babylon and now they were appointed this Herod was the Jewish tribe uh, the, the Jews Judah the tribe of Judah so that's what we have here and now the scepter has departed from Judah and Shiloh has not yet come so what the, the rabbis were saying the power the kingship has departed from us we are not being ruled by by the descendants of David anymore we are being ruled by an Edomite and so that, that was what the Jews were saying but actually Jesus came right at this time so the scepter did depart from Judah exactly as the prophecy says but now we have Jesus in time and history right when the scepter has departed from Judah and hero the herald started to rule over uh, Judea but then it did in a very noticeable way um, so yeah we were talking about I'm just checking on my notes here yes yeah, so we mentioned already that Herod was an Edomite and then so we saw that the the wise men came and talked to to Herod and and says there is another king that might have another thing that might have made the Jews and the, and therefore the Gentiles as well that the Messiah will come at that time it's is because of the prophecy of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 to 27 and this prophecy is also known as the prophecy of the seven with 70 weeks I don't have the time to go into all the details about this prophecy but to make a long story short an angel appeared to Daniel and said that from a certain starting point there will be a certain amount of G of years till the Messiah comes. That was the prophecy. He said, and this time is 70 weeks. So these weeks will not be as we think of them 70 weeks. It will be periods of 70 years. So we have to multiply 
seventy per. Okay, we will have to multiply seventy per seven because seventy weeks. Yes, seventy. I was just using my calculator here. So seventy. Uh, multiply per seven we have 490 so 70 weeks seven each week has seven days and each day represent one year so we multiply 70 per seven and we have 49 years so from the time of the decree under Persia uh, because Daniel was now living in Persia when Daniel was uh, taken into captivity from, from Jerusalem to Babylon by the Babylonians and then the Babylonians con uh, were conquered by Persia and Daniel continued to be living in Persia under Cyrus and still uh, counseling uh, Cyrus and the people of of um, Persia so what happened is that um, Daniel was told in chapter 9 by an angel that uh, when this time is fulfilled the Messiah will come and this Messiah will rule the whole world um, forever so this is the, the prediction and we were having about 490 years right now at this time, approximately. There were actually three decrees that, uh, that the Persians made for the Jews to go back and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And they went in three, three different times as well. But if you measure the time from each of these of these um of these periods like for example from the first decree or second decree or third decree all the time till the time of jesus there is uh the approximate time always so it's an approximate time that we have here so that's what happened here uh, that's why everyone was expecting the Messiah, the ruler of the Jews, the one who will rule the whole earth will come. So the wise men knew about that and they were guided by an, uh, the star, it says. This star might be correctly, might be true, but I don't know how a star in the sky, you know, in the heaven, will guide someone exactly to one specific house now it might have been an angel because we know in biblical literature sometimes uh, stars are, are represented as to be angel for example in the book of revelation we have that in the right hand of jesus there is seven stars and these stars are angels okay so so it might be angel, it might have been a pillar of, of fire as 
the Israelites were guided into the wilderness. We don't know exactly, but we know that it was something supernatural that guided them. And of course, there was another prophecy also about this man, Simeon. It says that till in the in the time of this man, the Messiah will come. So he won't die till the Messiah comes. That was a, another prophecy that was going on at that time. And so those who were aware about that will know that the Messiah will come exactly there because of this man Simeon. And we have this uh, in the Gospels. I think it, that's it, it's in Luke. Um, so there were tremendous expectations about the Messiah. And we can observe also that the, magici the, the, the wise men, they were Gentiles. And they were referred as wise men. They probably they knew about astrology. If it's if it's correct that uh, literal stars were guiding them, and there might have been Arabic or Persian because in the east were living people from Arabic descendants or Persian descendants, and they were from the east. And uh, because these men were wise men, and they knew all, and they knew about astrology and all this knowledge, they were probably of the noble class, respected, and they probably were giving counseling to the kings and stuff like that. And that's why Herod um, listened to them probably as well. So these were royal visitors from Gentile lands and they came to worship Jesus at this time. Matthew write these things, look not, pointing out that the Messiah is not only for the Jews, right? Because these wise men were Gentiles. So we were saying in the last chapters that um, in the last episode that Matthew wants to show the Jews that the Messiah is not only for the Jews but for everyone. You can also read in Psalms 72 is predicted also in Isaiah 60 that Gentiles will come with gifts giving gifts to the Messiah. So these uh, wise men were like uh, forerunners for other Gentiles to come and worship Jesus. They were the first, right? And then now the whole world, uh, the whole world uh, worship Jesus. And in a sense, we have people from all over the world, mostly Gentiles than Jews who worship Jesus today. So then we have that, okay, if these wise men were from the east, right, and they were maybe from Persia or Arabics, that's the options we have. If they were from Persia, as many scholars think, 
then there is an interesting connection to Daniel because Daniel lived in the Persian Empire and these men were wise men and if this if and they might have probably still have the the things Daniel wrote because Daniel were were known as to be a very very wise man throughout history there so let's imagine that these wise men were keeping track of all the other wise men who lived before them in Persia one of them were Daniel who had accurate prophecies for so many things um, dating back what happened into Babylon and then Persia maybe this wise man knew about the 70 weeks of Daniel chapter 9 of Daniel we don't know but it might be true it's a good thing to it's a good thing to think about um, so then we also have if let's say if the wise men were Arabs right then we have for example the story of Balaam. Balaam was a Gentile uh, that we see in Numbers 24 17, 1400 years before Christ. Balaam, Balaam said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. This statement, uh, which Balaam said, uh, I see it, but it's not now. Um, it's possible, and I, it's my guess, that it's about the Messiah. And so, if they were Arabs, it is possible that they would have been aware of this prophecy of Balaam, the wise man. If the wise men were Arabs, then they would know about Balaam prophecy, maybe. The wise men, they might, they might thought that the Messiah, the King of the Jews, will come to the from the royal family. So that's why they went and visited Herod. But then they saw that that was not the case, and the star kept guiding them all the way to Bethlehem. But at first time, they might have been asking all over Jerusalem, and so that's why all Jerusalem knew about it. And then they finally went uh, later in chapter 2 and arrived in the barn where Jesus were. But people think there was only three wise men because they, they brought three gifts, uh, like three ointments. But it's not necessarily the case that they were only three. It's very unlikely there were only three because these gifts that they were bringing were quite expensive and if you were a wise man you will have people with you to take care of you and if you were bringing gifts even more because at that time there were robbers stealers around the, the way you know it was dangerous so maybe there were a couple of dozens or a dozens of wise men or the wise men were coming with with guards to take care of them 
So everyone knew about them and Herod freaked out. He was afraid, he was frightened, the Bible says. Why? Why was that? Well, because Herod was a very jealous and paranoid king. He even killed two of his sons and one of his wives because he thought they wanted to take away the kingdom from him. So he didn't have problems to kill people. And that's why afterwards he ordered the killing of infants uh, later in this chapter. Uh, all infants below two years old, they were killed. So that's who Herod was. Uh, secular history tells us similar things, that he was very um, cruel king, very paranoid and insecure as well. So why, why it says that Jerusalem was troubled also? Well, probably it's because Herod was a very cruel king and could have done anything about get rid of this potential new king of the world and of and of course of Judea so this is what this is it for today I hope you guys enjoyed it I hope you guys learned something new and please give me some feedback if you want if you want to ask me any question, please write me on my email. My email is fernandomolinas at gmail.com. I will spell for you F-E-R-N-A-N-D-O-M-O-L-I-N-A-S 9-0 at gmail.com. So um, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you guys next love you guys welcome everyone to one more episode on the life and teachings of christ my name is louis molina i am here in lisbon now in a cafe so you will have to bear with me again with the background noise it's normal nothing is perfect in life right so today we will talk a little bit about chapter two so with that, let's read uh, chapter 2, uh, and it says, Matthew chapter 2, the visit of the wise men. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his start at his rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd my people Israel. Now, 
let's stop there and make some comments.